What is up? What is up, Brew and Bullshit fans? Thank you for tuning back into the show. If you guys are new to our show, be sure to go to Brew, the letter N, bullshit.com. You can find everything you need to know about our show, latest episodes, a little bit about us, social media handles. Um, here shortly, we will have merch, so you guys will be able to buy merch as well. Oh, and also, we just started a Patreon, so if you want to be a member of the Brew Brigade where you get exclusive content um, and just a little bit more access to things that we offer for the show, be sure to go to patreon.com slash bullshit. In this episode, we had Brittany De La Garza on the show. Brittany is the tour and education coordinator for the Museum of the Gulf Coast. We sat down to talk about early uh, Texas history, Southeast Texas history, um, also technology and how it's evolving so fast and the growth of Southeast Texas. I learned a lot in this episode uh, on and off record. We talked about a lot of different things and I think you guys would definitely enjoy this one. So cheers. Brittany, how are you today? Doing great. How about you? I can't complain, but we made it here. So how's everything? How are you? Oh, man. You know, I think if we just had maybe another catastrophe, that would just top off 2020. And that would just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just saw, like, I had a, uh, I was talking with a buddy recently and I just told him, like, I don't think there's anything mm -hmm. else we can have that can make 2020 any worse. Yeah. No, I mean, who knows what's, what's left in 2020, but I'm really just hoping for a smooth holiday season. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. Are you big on like uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas? And oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a foodie, so anytime I can have like stuffing and turkey and pie and all that, like that's like a great thing, you know. It yeah. makes you feel cozy, homey, you know. For and sure. For 2020, who doesn't want to feel that way? So right, yeah. it's like a comfort food, Definitely. if you will. So I'm not really big on a uh, stuffing. I like uh, I don't mind turkey uh, uh -huh. and ham, of course, and of course like pecan pie. Oh yeah, stuffing it was never my 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 deal. Maybe hey, at least you didn't say pecan. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hear that a lot? No, well because you know people from up north they say that, and so sometimes when we get northerners in the museum they'll say like something funny. I'm like, yeah, you're not from here. <laughs> pecan pie, huh? Yeah. <laughs> tomato, tomato. Huh? <laughs> so before we get into like um, Southeast Texas history, Gulf Coast history, mm -hmm. uh, just tell me a little bit about yourself, so personal history, mm -hmm. if you will. Okay. Um, so I grew up in a small town called Waller, Texas, and uh, it's the country. It was a nice small town kind of setting. Everybody knew everybody. I, it was great. Um, I moved out to the Houston area and um, with my family, and then I was going to college out there, and then Hurricane Harvey happened, mm. and then uh, my family just didn't feel comfortable living out there anymore, close you know, to the city where it floods a lot in Clear Lake, that's where they were. Yeah. Um, our house actually got flooded. Mm. So when we moved out to uh, Winnie, they had 25 acres and it was like really great for them. I moved to Nederland. I got my own place. Oh, nice. Um, and so I'm able to work at the museum. It's a great place. Yeah. Um, I love it. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an archaeologist. And then that, you know, when you have a kid, like when you have a dream as a kid, it kind of just goes away, you start focusing in school, and yeah. I'm going to be a lawyer or a doctor or whatever, but you forget that childhood dream. And I was like, <laughs> how cool is it? I work at a museum, and I do a little bit of archaeology sometimes. So, yeah, it's yeah. fun. 
Yeah, so like your entire childhood, like that was just something you were into, like yeah, archaeology. Like, oh, and... Gosh, um, so you know the movie The Mummy, right? Like, For sure. Like that came out, in, I think nineties, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah early nineties so or something I saw like that. Mid nineties. Really young, and I was like, ooh, it'd be cool to find like things in Egypt and mummies and stuff. And so I just really got into history after that. So got I'm like you. kind of a history buff. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, that's that makes perfect sense, you know, mm-hmm. to why you work, uh, where you're working at now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, this was recent Hurricane Harvey. You mm-hmm. mentioned it was a, uh, yeah, it was something else. I was over off uh, like Northwest Houston, two ninety nineteen sixty okay. area. Yeah. It was crazy though because like um where we were at close to Willowbrook Mall, uh-huh. um our apartment complex was like high and dry. Really. You know, but like two streets over, uh-huh. like water was up to people like the top of their garages. Yeah. No, it was terrible. The you neighborhood know? my parents lived in, like, um, and it was funny. They had just put these fresh fresh grass patches out you know to fix something yeah and the day it started raining which was like a day before my birthday those grass patches got stuck in the drainage thing and so there was no drainage for that neighborhood yeah and and it flooded and and in some areas of the neighborhood it didn't flood because of how you know the elevations were and I remember my parents were like can we get the HOA to do something about this like you know it's kind of their (laughs) fault but no, and we had, they actually found out that they were at the drainage system for the NASA Johnson Space Center. So, oh, wow. So apparently big corporations, businesses have drainage systems that sometimes go through neighborhoods. Got they you, don't know got it. you. So, yeah. Oh, wow. That's yeah. interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> it was a traumatizing thing. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how do you feel just being out here in a smaller like area? You said you're in Nederland, so mm-hmm. it's – oh, man, it's so much smaller than Houston, a place like Houston. Oh, for sure. I mean – I'm going to say this. I don't miss the traffic. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, I do miss um, a lot of like, I don't know. There's a lot of these things called panaderias in Houston. It's basically a bakery, but a a Spanish bakery where you can get like all these different desserts. And out here, like they don't have those. There's not like as much Hispanic culture as in Houston. Yeah. And so that's the only thing I miss for sure. But uh, out here, I mean, there's all different kinds of cultures and foods to try. I love Indian food. I haven't hit Taz up yet. Have you tried it before? Uh, so funny story. My buddy, uh, he he owns a few uh, gas stations out here, like Valeros. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name's Abby. Shouts uh-huh. out Abby. <laughs> his cousin actually owns Taz. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sweet. So I, I mean, you know, I'm really close to to Abby, but uh-huh. I've, I've never to answer your question. I've never tried Taz. Yeah, I haven't either. <laughs> I've been told I need to, but yeah, I, I love trying different foods. Have so. you tried uh, Albasha? No, I haven't. Albasha is over uh, right off the frontage road. Like if you exit 11th Street in uh-huh. Beaumont, it's yeah. uh, really good. Try the, uh, if you ever go there, try the shawarma plate or the gyro. The okay. gyros are really good too. Wow, I love gyros. There's a gyro place in Nederland. It's really good. Yeah. Shout out to Greek gyros, my favorite gyro place. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And now uh, back to your point. Oh, man, I miss the taco trucks in Houston. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness, man. The taco trucks. And then also there's a there's an empanada place that we uh, go to of West Timer and the yeah. Beltway. Uh-huh. So good. Yeah. Oh, man, I miss it. And things stayed open later there, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I'm not just talking about bars and clubs, but, like, restaurants and even libraries. Like, everything was just open later, so it was cool. Like, you know, getting out of work, yeah. you still had plenty of time to do things. And- oh, yeah, absolutely. It wasn't a rush, you know? It's like Houston, uh, getting out of work, Houston traffic is hell. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong, but you also had time to 
get off from work, get mm -hmm. through the traffic, and then also go and do something. Yeah, yeah. You know, so the, it was a lot of fun. The night culture was awesome. I mean, my parents live in Winnie, and everything closes at, like, 9 or 10. And yeah. I mean, if you get hungry in the middle of the night, like, where are you going to go? Like, there's yeah. nothing. <laughs> there's nothing there, huh? <laughs> and uh, speaking of, like, or not necessarily nightlife, but mm -hmm. being in Nederland, have you been to, like, Buxton Brewery or any of the breweries out here? Okay, so... I have not been able to go out as much, like yeah. because obviously everything going on. But like, like I just moved out to Nederland and didn't get to enjoy the nightlife because yeah. I didn't really know the area. I didn't know like the things yeah, around you're there. Yeah, That's a good point. So, yeah. so whenever I started hearing about the different breweries, and especially with them not being able to be open, like you know, now it's like I have a whole list of things I want to try as soon as For I can. Sure. So, yeah. but uh, I like the Log On. I've been there a lot. Oh, the Log On yeah. Cafe. That's yeah, owned yeah. by um, Ed. Mr. Ed is a uh, super cool. I met him through a mutual friend as well, and uh, I never knew about that place uh, till like last year. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I knew about it before you. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Yeah, I, yeah. Didn't, I didn't know about it. You know, then a buddy of mine. Um, we were hanging out one day, and he was like, "You want to." Go have a drink. I was yeah. like, yeah, sure. Um, and we strolled up on it and, you know, had a few drinks. I met Ed and yeah. we cut up and had a good time. Oh, my God. the Like, the live bands there are great. We have such great, like, bands here in Southeast Texas. Like, yeah. so much music culture. That I do love that about being out here. For sure. And it's yeah. just so authentic and, like, real. That you can tell you, you're around them. Mm -hmm. So they're living in the moment. You know, they're living yeah. in what they're, they're speaking about and singing mm -hmm. about their lifestyle. You know what right. I'm saying? It's not fake or mm -hmm. fraudulent. So, yeah. um, speaking of musicians, tomorrow we're having on a uh, Pug Pug Johnson. So. Oh, nice! Yeah, that's, that's cool. <laughs> Look at you moving up. <laughs> yeah, uh, so it'll be a, be a lot of fun, you know. Um, yeah, so uh, working at the museum, you know, and getting into that, like, uh, how's it been so far? I love it. Um, so it's actually a funny story of how I started working there. Yeah. Um, I actually started volunteering there, um, and. Sarah, who was the curator there at the time, trained me. She yeah. taught me everything I knew. I was doing like kind of archival kind of work. So how it works when you work in a museum and archiving is people donate things and then you have to like find out the history, mm. put a record number, that kind of thing. So oh, I, started, I bet that's time consuming. Huh? Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, have I seen daylight? Because <laughs> like the museum's awesome. It's got great windows and everything. But the third floor where we do all the real work, there's no windows. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it's like, ah, I want to see daylight. Yeah. <laughs> um, but whenever I started working as the education coordinator, yeah. um, that really like opened up a lot of things. Like I had to learn about being on the news. I had to learn mm. how to do public relations, going yeah. to schools, that kind of thing. So it's it's been a change, you know, going from like being a book person to like now I have to be out in front of crowds and everything. Oh, for so, sure. Yeah. It's yeah. like learning. You're like, uh, say you're naturally an introvert, mm -hmm. learning how to be an extrovert. Yeah. But you seem like you're in the middle, though. You know what oh, I'm saying? Gosh. You think it, it's because of I, uh, your profession? I or? mean, my personality when it's with people I know is kind of like outgoing. But yeah. when I was younger, like being around people I didn't know, it was like, oh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> but, but yeah, you have to grow out of that, especially if you want to, you know, be out in the community. For sure. Putting for out sure. your message, making a difference. Like you have to not be afraid to just step out there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and uh, it's the same with uh, just the podcasting. So, you know, we've done we've only done like 20 episodes or so, maybe 22, 23. Uh -huh. Every episode, I still get nervous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like uh, off record, like I still talk to people, you know, I, I'm used to talking to people, but uh -huh. I still get like leading up to a conversation, any conversation, yeah. you know, even at home, you know, mm -hmm. like sometimes I still have this. You get a little anxious. Yeah. Right. This anxiousness, yeah. you know, yeah. so. 
I don't know. Why do you think that is? Um, it, I mean, it's just uh, speaking from myself. I know that I was anxious speaking in front of people, and then I was forced to take public relations, public speaking class in college. Yeah, and that is basically where you make up speeches and you have to talk in front of the class, right? Right. Well, you're being graded on that, and so. I mean, that's just a lot of pressure um, on somebody. Oh, and so yeah. and so that I think kind of forcing yourself to get out there, like making yourself uncomfortable on purpose really just breaks down those walls and barriers of feeling that anxiety. For sure. And I'm the type of person that challenge is like, it's kind of exciting, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I like it. I mean, it's still nerve wracking, but it's, it's fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you've gotten used to like being like on live news and oh. stuff like that. <laughs> my first couple of interviews were so nerve wracking. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, I'm sitting here and I have to look where <laughs> that was funny. My first interview, like I didn't know about being on TV and like I had looked somewhere else and the camera's supposed to be here. And I was like, wow, people are going to think, what is wrong with this? chick?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I think most of them would understand because yeah. just being alive, you know, for any publication or network work is oh man it's so nerve-wracking yeah and then know? i finally got used to it and now we're doing zoom and then that's even more awkward <laughs> yeah you know because now you have like 10 people yeah in the zoom call you know what i'm saying so <laughs> yeah for sure um so uh and we talked about it right before this uh, mm -hmm. off record what like why do you think like people that aren't from like this like area why do you think they're so fascinated by our history so um, a lot of people even from Southeast Texas that have grown up here don't know how um, how much of an impact this area has had, not mm. only, you know, statewide, nationwide, really worldwide. I mean, yeah. we've got, you know, the music industry, oil industry. I mean, those are things that have, you know, radiated out to communities outside of Texas. And right. so it's, it's, it's important that people know where they come from and not only that, but be proud of it. Right. Yeah. Right. Most definitely. Yeah. Because uh, also, like I told you before this, like I was a little knucklehead, <laughs> 17, you know, you're wanting to when you grow up in a small town like Orange, yeah. you love it. You know what I'm saying? You're mm -hmm. used to everything around, you know, everybody. But also, you know, at that time, MTV and all these shows were big. Yeah. You see City Lights. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Our like, I want to go there. For they look sure. like they're having fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and also at 17, you're running to and from Beaumont. Yeah. So you, so you, you want something more because you're so used to that area. Right. So right. I wanted something bigger, you know. So I ran off to Houston. Mm -hmm. I had like a shitty little car at the time. <laughs> Packed my shitty little car and moved uh -huh. to Houston. And I was like, uh, you know what? I think I want to live my life here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's fast. Uh, City Lights. It's everything I saw. MTV, yeah, yeah. you know, or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, after 10 years, you know, it got old. Uh, you know, you get tired of ripping and running and trying to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. Um, so I've moved back home, you know, and now it's like getting back to your roots more. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, and now it's like, holy shit. Like I moved at a really young age and I don't know much about my hometown yeah. or like the history of yeah. it, you know, so it's nice to have someone like you to come uh -huh. on the show and like educate me. You're yes. not even from this area. Yeah, no, you know? <laughs> I definitely had to absorb a lot um, in the past two years. And I, I love being able to share with people. I mean, I'm still learning things every day. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's good to keep learning. Honestly, some people are like, well, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I'm like, that's great. But make sure you keep learning new skills. For you sure. Know? Yeah. For sure. Learn something new, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, uh, early, like just early settlement, mm -hmm. uh, 
Gulf Coast, Southeast Texas, if you will. Okay. Uh, could you talk about that a little bit for yeah, me? Yeah, like how far are we going back here? Like 10,000 years or, or recent, <laughs> recent settlements? Oh, <laughs> uh, let's do, uh, I guess, just like the big oil boom, okay. things like that. Okay. You know, so what um, was that, 1800s? Yeah, okay, so uh, oil got discovered in 1900, but okay. really the settlement out here started, I would say, in the early 1800s. Okay. Um, one of the first towns that, that was called, it was more of a town site, it wasn't really a town, it's called Aurora. Mm -hmm. um, that was like a precursor to Port Arthur. Oh, um, and you're from gosh. Orange, but I know that out in um, kind of the big thicket area, that was a huge yeah. area too because the lumber mills, everything like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was there was a small town um, in, I think, Bragg. Have you been to down to Bragg Road before? It's that They say it's haunted. That sounds so familiar. Yeah. Like, yeah Sorry, yeah. I'm kind of meandering here, but no, um, no, it's it's cool. So, Take your time. So it started with the the paper mills, right? The lumber, that kind of thing. Then yeah. needing to cut down, unfortunately, all the beautiful pine trees. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh. So whenever they settled out there, they built those boom towns. They were just quick town sites. Um. Yeah. And so if you go back there now on Bragg Road. Um, there's nothing left, but once upon a time, there was a, a bustling little town, you yeah. know, you need a general store, you probably need a saloon, probably need a jail cell for that. But, <laughs> um, so anyways, that there was town sites basically all around Southeast Texas and Aurora was one of them that mm. became Port Arthur. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, and so unfortunately there was, uh, still kind of unrest with the Native Americans here. Yeah. Um, so the Atakapans were the one of the original tribes here. They mm. were here before any other settlement. And how do you say that? Atakapan, <laughs> which is Karankawa okay. for man eater. Oh, so okay. they were cannibals, but not in the way of you think like Hannibal Lecter. Like I'm going to sit down and eat a brains here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was more uh, ritualistic. So okay. like if you were in a battle and you defeated a chief, he would like eat his heart for his bravery or something. Oh, okay, that makes right. sense. I got so, you. so anyways, um. Those settlers and all that were hearing stories about those man-eaters, and, and so it just it caused a lot of unrest. But um, right. eventually, and unfortunately, they were pushed out because um, yeah. that's what Texas was good at. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> they got rid of the buffalo and the Indians. But, um, just put kicking them out, Yeah, huh? <laughs> but anyways, um, so yeah, those were early town sites, and eventually the railroads were what came next. Um, mm. And so railroads, all those people trying to make a quick buck, um, one of those people was Arthur Stilwell. Um, he's the one who founded Port Arthur. And um, he had, he was kind of an interesting guy. He had visions. Yeah. Um, so one time he had a vision that Galveston was going to be wiped out by a hurricane in 1900. Wow. And so, but this was in 1895. Wow. I know. So <laughs> so anyways, this is kind of like a spooky thing for Halloween, right? Yeah. Um, but anyways, <laughs> he, he journaled all these things, you know? Yeah. So it's like we know we know his thought process, what was going on here. Um. But it was the dream that he had, and he thought, well, I need to purchase something, because originally he was going to purchase near Galveston, but he's like, I need to purchase something where ships can actually be safe from storms. And oh. Sabine Lake was actually where ships would go during storms so they wouldn't get hit by the hurricanes. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah. That's, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So, anyways, that, that whole backstory is what kind of created Port Arthur. It's supposed to be like a jewel by the sea. Gotcha. Um, actually came across an old map working in the archives where they thought that Port Arthur, Orange, Beaumont were going to be huge downtown cities like like Houston. Really? Yeah. 
Wow. So they had a lot of dreams. They really yeah. did. You know, this this area was founded on dreams. For it sure. Really was. And do you think that was just due to like, um, you know, just the big oil boom and all that, if you will? Uh, it, it attracted so many jobs. Things I mean, like that. I think what's what's really great about this area is that there's so many different industries. And that's something they saw even back then. I mean, they yeah. saw the trees as a resource. For sure. They saw, um, you know, the land that they could build towns with, um, yeah. the railroads. Eventually, the oil came. Yeah. Um, so the, this area and that Texas is like that. We just have so many different industries. Yeah. And so um, Texas was, a, was the, the land that, you know, anything could happen. The northerners were like, Moving westward, Texas was being settled, and yeah. a lot of people just packed up and moved down here to make a new life, you know? Just like yeah. a lot of things happen nowadays. Yeah, for sure. And just like, uh, you know, bring, going forward, I guess, a few hundred years, I mean, yeah. we could continue to talk about, you know, the 18, 1900s, mm -hmm. but just going forward a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's why, you know, something like a pandemic, like we're still standing strong. Yeah. You know, we're not dealing with half the things, mm -mm. places like Californians or California right. or Florida right. or New York, even, you know, these places are dealing with, you yeah. know, it seems like, you know, people um, complain a little bit, you know, about Governor Abbott, you know, and his laws and everything. He has in place policies. But it's like he's actually uh, a little bit more lax than a lot of uh, other governors. He you is, know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, um, yeah. I mean, it seems like Texas is just one of those areas where there's. A lot of room to spread out. I yeah. mean, um, Houston, obviously, it's like concentrated. Dallas, Austin, those towns, there's a ton of people. Yeah. But um, even he's brought up that, like, why am I going to tell people in West Texas where there's like 100 people in a town to put all these regulations? So yeah. I think he had a difficult time making a blanket policy yeah. for all of Texas because we're not we're not all concentrated in one area it's very spread right, out right right so yeah. spread out and it's just so massive it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah try driving from one end of texas to the other it takes a long time <laughs> yeah it takes a while huh yeah Okay, so, you know, we got established uh, a little bit here, um, you know, in Port Arthur and uh, everything. Mm -hmm. uh, could you talk a little bit about Beaumont and yeah. uh, just um, a brief history of it? Yeah, so uh, Beaumont was, I believe, founded in the mid-1800s. I don't know exactly what year, yeah. but um, their industry was more, you know, the railroads and um, eventually the shipping industry because yeah. um, Port Arthur had that Sabine Lake um where the ships would come through the channel and eventually got connected to Beaumont. Um, uh, and so that's how they were able to capitalize on that shipping industry. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, some of the early settlers in Beaumont just, they founded their little farms and town sites and eventually, you know, it became this bustling city. Yeah. And it's, uh, do you think there's a reason, uh, is it just like a physical thing or mm -hmm. you think there's a reason like Beaumont is just like a busier city than like Port Arthur or Orange? Yeah. Is it because like just like on the map it's it's bigger or why do you think that is? Um, I would say that Beaumont was actually closer to Houston okay. back in the day. So what happened was a lot of the resources that were coming through to other towns had to go through Beaumont. So gotcha. Beaumont really became a hub for Southeast Texas. Okay. Things would, things would be shipped to Beaumont and then radiated out to Orange Lumberton, Port Arthur, gotcha. Port Natchez, all the towns that eventually got, you know, built up. And um, Port Arthur had been the main uh, shipping industry for the Gulf Coast. But eventually, you know, once they were able to get to Beaumont through Port Arthur, Port Arthur kind of got cut off in a oh, way. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. 
Gotcha. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Um, I was also reading uh, a little bit of just about, uh, I guess you'd say it was like World, World War II, like mm-hmm. wartime yes. like jobs and things yeah. like that. Uh, Beaumont became one of those places that people would just like gravitate mm-hmm. towards because of the jobs, yeah. um, things like that. Yeah. And it's kind of still like that. I mean, jobs, everyone is able to find something out here that fits what they need oh for sure yeah. and it seems like uh every everyone gravitates towards uh i guess the oil industry but uh-huh. also uh just anything in the plants you know yeah. uh just plant-based work you know well i mean and, and, of... and not the food <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say there's actually a lot of new restaurants popping up so i think it's all industries that are trying to come out because um, houston's kind of getting overcrowded now you know oh man yeah. it's so overpopulated and i that houston is like dearest to my heart i love it i love it so much but Mm -hmm. it's just so overpopulated it is you know it it takes so long to you can be stuck in traffic it's going to take you an hour to get five minutes down the road yeah no for (laughs) sure um but back to you know the wartime efforts um so some of the shipbuilding that was happening the reason why it was so important out here is because that's where they were getting a lot of the lumber for the ships especially in world war one um lumberton and orange actually weren't on the map um and, and Port Arthur as well, because yeah. they didn't want them to know, um, the enemies to know, like, where they were located at specifically. Oh, okay. So if you look okay. back at, like, maps during, um, you know, the early 1900s, during World War One or World War II, yeah. you won't find them on there because they were basically hiding where they were making. That's smart, um, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the oil industry was important because they eventually found polymers and stuff and rubber. This, that was needed for um, a lot of the things that the soldiers were using and um the lumber for the ships and so all of that was just something that really boosted this like it kind of came in steps and ways like you know it started with the railroads and then eventually oil and then shipping and then the wartime efforts like everything kind of came in stages right right that's cool it's like so strategic if you will you know it's (laughs) Mm -hmm. funny though because it's like uh i hear you know you're speaking on like orange and lumberton and, Mm -hmm. and lumber is that where Lumberton got its name? I would think so, yeah. <laughs> I mean... It's like, bang, it just clicked. Yeah. East Texas and Southeast Texas were covered with longleaf pine trees. A lot of the houses and homes in the area, yeah. their floors, what it's made out of, it's, it's local wood, more likely pine wood. Yeah. And um, they completely obliterated the native species. species. So yeah. Yeah, everything that's being planted now is basically... Um, slash pine so yeah. it grows like in 10 20 years that's how they make uh, it right. i see i see yeah nice definitely um yeah and i uh, like i told you beforehand i'm i'm learning just as the listeners will be learning yeah. as well um and i watched a documentary uh recently on the uh, starks and orange yes. uh one of my buddies he's he's actually a stark um he's a really good friend of mine you know i i talk to him every day to get Uh advice just life advice right (laughs) um and he sent me this documentary and it was super interesting just learning about uh lutcher and the the starks as well you know so they played an important role in this uh, entire thing right yes they did and um there's also a lot of family drama um there's oh yeah (laughs) have you read some of the books that have came out i didn't read any of the books so in that the same documentary Uh the drama is just like that's what had me just like in the tv you know what i'm saying because there was just so much cutthroat there shit was, going on, you know? Um, I think there's a book called If the Devil Had a Daughter, and it basically kind of goes into a lot of the family drama that happened, a lot of falling outs, you know? Yeah. Um, and so the the woman that was eventually left uh, with the home, 
um, I forgot her, her first name, but obviously she was Stark. But um, yeah. she was very particular with how she wanted her home decorated. She was very um, odd yeah. in a way. Uh, so she she like left specific guidelines for how she wanted the Stark home left when she passed away. So um, I saw that they have this rat trap. And it has a rat in it. Wow. <laughs> and it was actually sent to Galveston for an exhibit. Yeah. Um, because I think it was the first time that they had seen like an actual mummified rat in a rat trap. And yeah. they were doing something on the bubonic plague. So, I mean, they just have a lot of really cool things there. That yeah. One of the things about the Stark home is that they kept a lot of things. And, yeah. and you don't find that much in historical homes. Like we have the Pompeian Villa, which is a historical home. And... They the original artifacts from the home that of the original families like they're not there the families took them yeah and so it's it's cool they have all those things over there for sure for sure just yeah. that 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 family and their their history is just so interesting mm-hmm. you know it uh it makes me wonder though just like everyone or the like ancestors of any family mm-hmm. do we all have like dark like a dark past like this you know what I'm saying you, like you would be surprised I think that um. Especially with word of mouth and, and passed on kind of things between yeah. families, it, it's easy to kind of water down the real story. For sure. You know, <laughs> ask your mom what she was doing in, in her teens. And she'd be like, oh, you know, this and that. But, you know, she'll never really tell you exactly. Yeah. You know, so, and, and um, that's kind of just how it is. You know, people try to put their best image out, you know, and we can't blame them for that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, back to the museum. Uh, I, I remember going like a long time ago. A long time uh, ago. <laughs> when you yeah. were like five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, is it still the same or you guys like, uh, I'm sure you've upgraded yeah. a little bit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But So uh, the museum was kind of founded in 1994. Okay. The building it's in was the, one of the first banks in Port Arthur. So it's a really cool building. Nice. Yeah. I mean, okay. like there's, <laughs> there's a lot of interesting things that they kept original. Like we've got a bunch of vaults yeah. and, and things like that where we keep artifacts, which is pretty cool. Cause it's like, you know, Ooh, we're going to the vault to get something out, you know, for sure. Yeah. But, um, they've made a Special. lot of, uh, yeah, no, they made a lot of upgrades. Um, over the past couple of years, they added a maritime exhibit, like a, a full one, um, we've added a lot of technology. So we have kiosks now, um, which is basically like a big tablet that you can touch. And like, you know, Janice Joplin will pull up and she's got, you know, her original uh, concert at Woodstock, you know, be able to see that. Oh, man. An interactive that's experience. Awesome. That what we're, that's what we're trying to work on next. Wow, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, and speaking of Janice, um, yeah, uh, just music, you know, out here. We, we've bred so many great musicians. Yes. You know, the uh, I told you I'm a hip-hop head, so yeah. the UGKs, you know, Pimp C, <laughs> Bun B, or the yeah. Janis Joplin's, mm-hmm. or Tracy Bird's, you know. Uh, yeah. I'm sure you're a fan of all these people as well, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of the old-timers actually say that there's something in the water out here because it just <laughs> seems like so much talent comes out of Southeast Texas. I mean, sports yeah. stars, musicians, um Working at the museum, I've learned to appreciate all genres of music because I For mean, sure. me, I'm, I'm more of like a classic rock kind of person, so yeah. it wasn't that hard anyways to get into it. Um, but I didn't know much about Janis Joplin. I, I had yeah. actually never heard of UGK before I started working there. Um, <laughs> and Bun B actually gives lectures at Rice University. Yeah. So I was like, can super we get smart him to do a lecture at the museum? Because yeah, that would be really super cool. super smart. He is. Um, and see, that's that's what we really appreciate about artists sometimes. Is they're yeah. multi-talented, multifaceted. Um, it's one thing to just be a singer. But if you can draw and you can sing and then you go and give a lecture, I mean, that's just special. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're just uh, 
jack of all trades, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And going back to like just like the whole interactive uh, uh-huh. aspect at the museum, like how is that turning mm-hmm. out? Like, um, I mean, as you know, you know, mm-hmm. in today's world, we're addicted to these things. Yes. And for everyone listening, I'm grabbing my phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're addicted to our phones, yes. you know, so. Well, yeah. I mean, I can still remember when, you know, phones were like consisted of typing like like pressing the number to it's, actually that's so text. funny you say that because yeah. i just talked about this in yeah. a recent episode like i remember uh and like i think it was fifth or sixth grade mm-hmm. remember like the bar phones like nokia phones mm-hmm. or like a flip phone i remember yeah. t9 text yeah the razor yeah no i <laughs> you know <laughs> it was so satisfying to just cl- click the phone shut after Absolutely. a phone call you know that was yeah. like the best way to be dramatic about a phone call but you know yeah um but anyways yeah we've we've come to rely on on technology For and sure. actually expect it. So when you go into a museum nowadays, you'd probably expect it to not only be, you know, oh, that's a cool fossil. Oh, that's a cool this and that. Like, but where's where's the videos? Where's the music? You know, yeah. so yeah. so it's kind of um, difficult as a museum, especially in a small town, to kind of keep up with those kind of things because, you For know, sure. it's it takes money. It takes volunteers. But um, we've had we have a really great team and, yeah. and people with great ideas. And we were able to put kiosks in a lot of our exhibits um, and so that is just something that I noticed has really enhanced people's experiences there. For sure. Because a lot of people sometimes would just, you know, walk through and not really read. Right. And so just we, getting don't, a glimpse we don't of really everything. read much anymore. So yeah. being able to kind of pair a video with a song and, and a small, you know, biography and then look at items from a person yeah. in an exhibit. I mean, that really gives you a fuller experience. Yeah. And like given someone that's into history, a historian, if you will, mm-hmm. how do you feel about that? Like us, like reading less every mm-hmm. day and just we're, we're so our attention span is literally like four or five seconds. Oh, yeah. So we're so <laughs> in, like just into like videos yeah. and less reading. Like now YouTube is the second biggest search engine. Yes. This, a search engine. Yeah. You I mean, you saying? can basically like, find a YouTube video on everything. They used to yeah. say, oh, there's an app for that. Well, there's a YouTube tutorial for that <laughs> now, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's a good thing. At the same time, it's not. But I think, you know, we're, we've already come so far as a culture, as a yeah. civilization, that it's it's too late to go back. So yeah. we have to embrace it. Um, so reading is something that I loved growing up as a kid. I was a total reader. That's how I kind of found out about all these things. But um, to capture the minds of the younger generation, yeah. you have to use technology because yeah, they've been phones, raised on that. Videos. Yeah. So yeah. so for them to kind of be able to, at their level, understand, you know, what is this museum about? Who are these people? Like, that's what we're really working towards. We're speaking to the younger generation because sure. they don't know, you know, Janis Joplin or they don't know who Tracy Bird is. But, right. you know, they'll understand the movies they like. So we have this, um, he's a, um, artist and art and, uh, he worked on movies like frozen and, um, Nomeo and Juliet. Um, and so those movies, uh, were worked on by Kelly Asbury and he grew up in Beaumont. He actually ended up going to Lamar university. Um, but he recently passed away, which is sad, but we were able to have, um, some of his original interviews put onto our kiosk. And so when we have students come in, we tell them like, Oh, you recognize Frozen? You know this. Um, well, this guy actually got to work for Disney. It was his dream. Wow. Um, and that's so cool. um, 
being an animator, it, it takes a lot. You know, it takes creativity. For sure. Um, a lot of time, too. A lot of vision. And so, interestingly, when he was uh, going to college, he had tried to get into Cal Arts in California to be able to work for Disney. Yeah. Um, and apparently he applied, like, three or four times and didn't get in. Yeah. Um, but he never gave up. And so that's kind of that inspirational story behind it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. That's that's awesome. Um yeah, so you know, just with the inter- the interactive thing, and uh, I'm sure you guys still have like older people that come and mm-hmm. appreciate the museum. Oh yeah, but it, it's crazy <laughs> because like they're also trying to just adapt to this, you know. Yeah. So it's just so interesting, you know, us as millennials yeah. like witnessing this. Yeah. You have these kids coming up, but then you also have these older people that are mm-hmm. trying to adapt with the things that the kids yeah. have coming up. Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, it's interesting to watch and see how everything plays out, you know. Yeah. Because I think we're that um, generation. We're right there on the borderline. We remember dial-up internet, mm-hmm. but we also know, like, uh, inter- you know, I could Google something. It's going to take two seconds to yeah. load it. And somehow we forgot how long it took to wait for dial-up. And, and yeah. we thought, like, oh, this is so cool. We're about to search something on the internet. It's going to take five minutes. And now it's, like, instantaneous. And if it even yeah. buffers for five seconds, we're like, this phone's a piece of crap. You know what? That's crazy you said that because I just had that, uh, like, a exact experience. And I also... Um, uh, I said that I thought the same thing in my head. I'm like, man, holy shit. Like, why is it taking so long for this? Yeah. To work? But it, it was like 10 seconds. It yeah. was like five seconds extra. Yeah. And, you know, I just couldn't handle it. Right. You know? Right. And it makes you think, like, how did we get from this to this? You yeah. Know? And, and such so, a short amount of time. Exactly. You know, and without even realizing it, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we've evolved so much. We have. Hopefully for the good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, so it's uh, just being uh, like a person into history. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens in the next 10 years? Like, how do we uh, how does everything play out? Like, in your opinion? Um, are you like referencing also the pandemic included with that? Or like, Yeah, for I, sure. OK, um, I want to be optimistic. That's just like my personality. You for know? sure. Um, at the same time, you know, you have to be logical about it. I think that um, this is kind of a test to see how we'll adapt to these kind of things because, um, you know, they had the same influenza thing in 1918. Mm. And um, eventually, you know, it took them a while, but it blew over. Um, What may be different about this is that it's, you know, so contagious. And and so that requires people to kind of realize nothing really will ever probably be normal again, but it'll be different. Um, We'll probably just be more aware of, our health and staying on top of things and yeah. you know social distancing whatever it is that people have to do um and accepting that will probably help us move along faster you know a lot yeah. of people get stubborn about oh i don't want to wear a mask and it's like yeah you may not want to but you know it'll help yeah. and and if you can help just a little bit that's a good thing but um as far as long term i hope <laughs> i hope that you know we'll move forward as a country um, <laughs> united and, um, you know, maybe we'll get to do something different, like actually, you know, put people on Mars, you know. Yeah, um, that'd be cool. I know. I want to see a lot of technological advances. You know, I yeah. really like the movie Back to the Future, which is cool because the producer, Leanne Moore, is from Port Arthur. Um, yeah. But, you know, like flying cars, like that that hoverboard, like, you know, all yeah. those things they thought were going to happen was in 2019, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're in 2020 and it hasn't happened yet. I'm like, what? Yeah. Where, where are those cool things? Yeah, so. it's crazy, though. Um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, like, uh, the influenza thing uh, back in 1918. Like, uh-huh. it's crazy that, you know, there was a similar thing back then. Mm-hmm. They had less, you know, we, we 
touched on technology and everything. Right. They didn't have any of the things we have today. No. Like, why do you think we're still dealing with, like, this today? You know what I'm right. saying? It seems like they overcame mm-hmm. what they overcame in 1918. Like, right. why is it taking us so long? You know, I think back then people were, were a little more um, aware of the person sitting next to them. They they had um, they didn't have technology distracting them. They didn't right, have, you right. know, the daily grind and all that. They Life was a little more slower paced. And so for them to be able to think about, you know, I don't want to get this person sick. I'm just going to cover up and put a mask or whatever they put on in 1918. Um, but they were just a little more, I guess, wary. I mean, they were right. a generation coming off of World War One, you know, and then they yeah. had just became united as a world, you know, they yeah. had just won a war. Um, and so I think that that mindset of unity and, and everybody wanting to at least care about their neighbor a little bit um, was kind of what helped them get over it. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, we've that got a lot sense. of things distracting us. So for sure, yeah. everything, you know, and yeah. I've heard the saying like time and time again, that yeah. people were a lot smarter, like back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it almost feels like it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, they were also more superstitious. So yeah. they're probably like, oh, they sneeze, the demons possess them. I'm going to go over here, you know, <laughs> seances were really popular. Yeah, seances were really popular at that time. So who knows what kind of superstition they thought, you know, was yeah. with the influenza. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and just, uh, the, I guess the Gulf Coast, and I keep bringing up Southeast Texas mm-hmm. because honestly, uh, like I told you, I, I came back and now I'm just so, as a fully functional adult, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so, trying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm so proud of Southeast Texas yeah. and uh, the growth that uh, we're witnessing. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you feel about that? You know, just like us. Yes, there's older people, uh-huh. you know, we, we love them, you know, we uh, we look up to them. But I feel like Southeast Texas is getting younger. It is. You know, and yeah. like you mentioned, like uh, restaurants are sprouting up, mm-hmm. businesses are sprouting up. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about just the area coming yeah. up? What I love the most about Southeast Texas, besides music and all the food, uh, <laughs> is also the small businesses. So yeah. I've seen a lot of people take those creative dreams of owning a bakery or owning a coffee shop or Um, a boutique or or anything that, you know, requires you to be 100% dedicated to your business for for to run. Um, That is just really special. And, you know, I would much rather buy my cup of coffee from the Avenue than Starbucks, you know, because I know that those people are in the community. They give back to the community. They care about this community. And so, you know, I think that's what's really interesting is that there's a lot of people, you know, I would say millennials that um, are tired of, you know, the corporate grind and they end up making a business of what they want. I mean, you're doing your podcast. So everybody doing something they love um, and giving back to the community. I think that's part of the growth here. Yeah, for sure. And one thing I've learned in this uh, and like in the whole pandemic thing is um, uh, you don't have to be from or you don't have to live in like Los Angeles mm-hmm. or in New York to be like super successful. Right. Like right here in Southeast Texas, you know, we do the podcast or you have, you know, the museum. Like mm-hmm. you can be in a small area and still right. be super successful right. because nowadays we have something such as Zoom calls yeah. <laughs> or like your interactive media yeah. at the museum. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like everyone has access to whatever it is that we want to put right. out there. You right. know what I'm saying? Our so. message just isn't, you know, only being heard by Southeast Texas. Exactly. Right? Um, yeah. Especially with social media, like, you know, Instagram, Facebook, like, you know, we have people from the other side of the country or the other side of the world that are, um, you know, Facebook 
followers on our page and, you know, they comment, they say, oh, I'd love to visit one day. And it's like, that's crazy. Somebody from, you know, the Czech whatever wants to come visit, you know, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they'll be able to, but that's cool. But yeah. that's something I, I've really come to realize working at the museum is um, people have an interest for, you know, Southeast Texas and they're from other states or other countries. Yeah. Um, we had somebody come, I believe, that grew up in Mexico and they had gone to a Janis Joplin concert out there. Wow. So, I mean, that's cool. I know. I mean, I didn't even know she played out there, but that's just really cool yeah. that, you know, they know about her. They know about this area. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And, um, honestly, like I, I'm just so like prideful and just optimistic about the future, uh, of our small area. Honestly, uh -huh. again, you know, uh, with the pandemic, oh, the, the, the pandy, but also hurricanes, <laughs> hurricane pandy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, a lot of people like drawn to Southeast Texas. Now you have uh -huh. all these people in Louisiana coming this way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then just like with the pandemic, mm -hmm. people are, are, uh, gravitating towards smaller towns yes. because there's less risk. Yes. You know, so I'm just so happy, uh, to call this place home. Yeah. Because we're, we're growing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's nice. It is nice, yeah. Dad, do you ever, uh, before we go, do you ever yeah. visit uh, Waller? Like, you ever go back home? Oh, um, no. I, I wish I would, you know, but there's just there's no really a reason to go back. I mean, a lot of my friends have moved on to other towns. You know, yeah. we keep in touch. But I think that's something about small towns sometimes is that people just move away. Yeah, um, yeah. What I've liked about Southeast Texas is people have moved away, but they're coming back. And so yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that really says something about this area, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the people are uh, – one, one thing I can't say just about – uh, calling this place home and being from Southeast Texas, the mm -hmm. people are super genuine. They are. You know, I mean, you'll run into bad apples. Yeah. But that's anywhere. Yes. You know, but uh, for the most part, people are super gen genuine and yeah. super supportive. They are. And, yeah. um, you know, what better place to be, you know, calling home than yeah. to have a place that cares so much about other people and community? Yeah, know? for sure. For sure. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for, for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Uh, how can everyone reach you and the museum, like on social media, uh, uh, phone numbers, anything like that? Yeah. Uh, so the best way to reach the museum would be the Facebook page. Yeah. Um, we have, um, you know, Messenger. We're on Instagram, you know, DM us. <laughs> um, but <Yeah. laughs> as, as far as for me, um, the easiest way to reach me is through email. Um, so my email is mogc.educator at gmail.com. Um, and basically, um, I handle tours. I handle education. I do a little bit of everything. So if you ever need anything, any questions, want a tour, definitely call me or email me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, again, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I, I learned something today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully the listeners w will as well. You know, uh, uh, we're growing. We're still small, but... Uh -huh. uh, they're curious, so uh, yeah. I think this will be uh, this will be good. Yeah, I can tell you have a passion for this, so you're gonna do great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you.